you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi everyone, welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share the stories about how these funds help strengthen our community, because it's good to be well endowed. On today's episode, we find out how residents of the Macaulay neighborhood banded together against long odds to purchase a problem property in their community. Long odds and a ridiculously short timeline. In just a few weeks, these residents formed the Macaulay Development Cooperative and raised a million dollars to purchase the Piazza Strip Mall on 95th Street and 108th Avenue. The goal is to turn the Piazza into a vibrant community hub in the heart of Little Italy. Andrew, you talked to quite a few people to get this story. Who are we about to meet? Yeah, it was an interesting story to dig into. There are a few entities at play here. First and foremost are the residents of Macaulay. We spoke with Miranda Ringma, chair of the board of the Macaulay Development Cooperative, and to Jonathan Christensen, a member of that board. I caught up with them in a cafe in Macaulay, so you will hear some background sound in their clips. Then there are the Edmonton Community Development Corporation and the Social Enterprise Fund. Both of these organizations are initiatives of ours here at the Edmonton Community Foundation. So that's our connection to the story. They played a supporting role in helping Macaulay residents form their co-op, as well as organize and administer the mountains of red tape required to purchase the strip mall. And the Social Enterprise Fund hopped on board to provide the co-op with a mortgage for the building. To understand how all these players came together to pull off the near impossible, you'll hear from Mark Holmgren, the executive director of Edmonton CDC, and Karen Jingra, the director of neighborhood development of the Edmonton CDC. So Andrew, many of us Edmontonians are familiar with the Macaulay neighborhood, but can you set the scene? Absolutely. Macaulay is one of Edmonton's core urban neighborhoods that sits to the northeast of the city's downtown core. It's incredibly diverse with Chinatown and Little Italy nestled inside its borders as well as the Commonwealth Stadium. It's full of great food and shopping and has always had deep roots tied to Edmonton's working class and immigrant communities. Like many of Edmonton's core urban neighborhoods, it also faces many challenges. Macaulay is home to several inner city organizations including the Bissell Center, the Mustard Seed, the George Spady Center, and Hope Mission. It's an eclectic neighborhood, and the residents there have built incredibly strong bonds with one another as they work to maintain the vibrance and safety of their community. That's not always easy given some of the major challenges they face, including what they call problem properties. These are often places like drug houses or sometimes businesses that are owned by non-local landlords who don't necessarily have the safety of the community at top of mind. For this story, we are going to go into the heart of Macaulay, where we will learn how residents are taking initiative to address one such problem property in the most direct way possible buying it outright. For years, the Piazza Strip Mall has been a source of problems for the community members in Edmonton's Macaulay neighborhood. On any given day, the property was the scene of frequent incidents of drug trafficking, drug use, and a range of other issues that would spill out into the surrounding area. If you've ever visited Macaulay or Little Italy, you've probably seen the Piazza. Its squat black and beige facade sits in the heart of the neighborhood on the corner of 95th Street and 108th Avenue across the street from Giovanni Caboto Park. For many, it is an unassuming building. For residents working to revitalize the neighborhood, it has been a black mark standing in the way of their vision to continue transforming Macaulay into a family-friendly hub. 
um, the aim is to have that complex be a family-friendly community hub, you know, vibrant, commercial, interesting, local, you know, all those good things. That's Miranda Ringma. I'm Miranda Ringma, uh, also involved in the co-op. I'm part of the board. Uh, my partner, Ken, and I run a business called Zocalo. Miranda and her husband have called Macaulay home for the past three decades and have been running their cafe and shop, Zocalo, across the street from the Piazza Strip Mall for the last 16 years. Miranda is sitting at one of her cafe tables with Jonathan Christensen, another Macaulay resident who moved into the neighborhood six years ago. You know, I've lived in a lot of different communities in this city, and this is the only one where I've ever not only gotten to know my immediate neighbors, but neighbors who live, you know, two and three blocks away, uh, and can talk about their relationship and their history with the community and with each other. So it's been a really, it's a really incredibly um, close knit community that are aware of each other and of what's happening but also you know very different like it's not like it's not like a monochromatic community by any stretch of the imagination they're sipping coffee and chatting about the newly formed macaulay development cooperative which has just pulled off what seemed impossible only 18 months ago the purchasing of the piazza strip mall by community members well, you know, like many things in, in, a, in a community, it's evolved over time, but I think uh, there had been various efforts to effect some change over there, and uh, I think um, many of those failed. Um, and I think finally there was a group of community members that said, you know, non-local ownership wasn't helping the community. Um, they weren't paying attention to the, to the very central piece that I think we were hoping they would and so finally a group of community members said the only way that we're going to um, make this the family-friendly community hub that we want it to be is if we buy it. This was no small feat. It hasn't been easy revitalizing the neighborhood that has seen its fair share of challenges. The scale of the project was massive for a community-driven initiative. They needed support researching and deciding on a structure and legal entity to pull it off. They needed support putting their offer together and most importantly, help finding money to get that complex process started. That's where the Edmonton Economic Development Company, or Edmonton CDC, came in. We're a, we're a nonprofit community developer. We work in neighborhoods like Macaulay and Alberta Avenue and Eastwood, uh, mostly urban core neighborhoods around capital development, and that could be affordable housing, low end of market housing, commercial zones uh, or commercial strip malls. It could be um, working on food security and other those other things like that with uh, community folks. The general focus of, of what we're doing, however, is to do what communities want to have done in their communities. So it's a little different than, say, how other developers do it. Um, we were born out of the, the mayor's task force to end poverty. And so we, we do have a, a mandate to try to improve conditions for people who are low income, as well as neighborhoods that are going through revitalization and say, struggling with some of the socioeconomic issues that exist in the, in the inner city. That's Mark Holmgren. Hi, I'm Mark Holmgren. I'm the executive director of the Edmonton CDC. Edmonton CDC's community first approach made them a great fit for the grassroots group of Macaulay residents looking to tackle the piazza. Neighborhoods have ideas about what they want their neighborhood to be, and often I think right, right or wrong, uh, some neighborhoods feel like they're more done to 
by others, whether it's the city or develop, developers or uh, organizations, and not don't have as clear a voice as they'd like around, here's what we want to have happen in our neighborhood. And so we do lots of engagement in the, in the areas where we have land, uh, formal engagements, but also we do a lot of listening as we're just meeting people and trying to understand what's going on there. So engaging neighborhoods is key to neighborhood revitalization and to folks who are committed to their neighborhood and trying to create a future uh, that will benefit people who live there. At the time, Edmonton CDC was working on another project in the Macaulay neighborhood. It owned a couple of parcels of land on either side of 106th Avenue and 95th Street. They were in the middle of working with the community to figure out what to do with the property known as the Paskin site. Karen Gingra was Edmonton CDC's team lead on the Paskin site. I'm uh, the Director of Neighborhood Development for the Edmonton Community Development Company. And my involvement was in a facilitation role to uh, support the efforts of the community and to really connect those efforts with um, the ECDC and what we could do to support them. And it was during this process that the residents flagged the piazza as a top priority to affect change in their community. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was actually working with a group of folk from a Macaulay who were part of our Macaulay design concept team for some development on the Paskin site in Macaulay. And um, they said, hey, if you really want to make a difference, buy the strip mall. And I thought, hmm, well, how could we do that? So we started talking about that and and um, we actually thought, well, maybe we could convince a local developer to buy it. And this was like in December of 2018. And um, we tried and they just wouldn't go for it. And so in that process, we were able to actually get some data about the strip mall and thought, hmm, I wonder if this is feasible for us and the community to look at purchasing. After some initial research, Edmonton CDC and the community saw that there was a chance to make this ambitious move possible. Not a guarantee, but a long shot that, with enough elbow grease and careful timing, could transform the community. The first step was gauging the interest of the wider community in the project. To pull this off, they would need not only people power, but money. Jonathan Christensen recalls the early meetings he attended when the idea to purchase the piazza was brought up. It was an exciting prospect, but there was also a healthy skepticism mixed with a sense that maybe, just maybe, it was time for the community to mobilize to make this happen. There have been a lot of efforts to make change there, and, and I think, frankly, when I first went into the meeting, I was a little dubious. Um, uh, I knew that the mall wasn't for sale, and I knew the conversation was about buying the mall, and I knew that the financial resources weren't there for, for any one sort of individual within the community to, to purchase the mall. And so I just wasn't sure how we were going to make it happen. The conversation started. There was a lot of discussion about raising, you know, money to, to make the down payment and the timeline that it had to happen in and again I was very nervous about it um, but there was such a spirit uh, around the table of belief that we could make it happen you know I, I have to say I work in a business where you know yes let's is kind of the modus operandi and I've never been at a table where there was such a spirit of kind of yes we can do this we will do this it is going to happen as buzz about the project grew among Macaulay residents, the core team was hard at work putting their game plan together. There were a lot of moving parts, as they recall. 
Honestly, you know, I mean, I think a lot of things had to happen. Um, and so uh, I would say everybody around the room, uh, they looked at, you know, where our deficits were, where our assets were, and uh, everybody dug in in a different way. So, you know, having Alberta Securities Commission review information, having uh, the consultants you know, work through the offering memorandum with us, getting bios, getting the money together, um, getting the auditor in place and having, you know, the, the financial statements completed for the offering memorandum. We worked with consultants and lawyers and, and others who know how to do these things uh, and learned, learned the rope, so to speak, on how do you create an investment co-op if you're going to be taking RSP monies or TFSA monies or just non-registered. What do you have to do? How do you do... Uh, how do you obey all the regulations and so forth? It was a complex, multifaceted puzzle that required perfect timing. But there were also some major practical hurdles standing in the way. The biggest being the fact that the mall wasn't actually for sale. Well, first of all, the, the owners weren't inclined to sell. Um, people had from the community actually contact the owners in the past to see if, you know, is there a feasibility, would they be open to selling it? And the answer was no. Or um, Although one person I think had reported that they'd uh, had the conversation, very brief, and felt that the asking price was way too high. And certainly for an individual who, um, you know, isn't a developer um, and perhaps not a multimillionaire, yeah, that price would be way too high. I think they were saying something like 2.9 million. The property at the time was owned by landlords based out of Calgary. The issue of non-local ownership is a major contributing factor to social issues in Edmonton's urban core communities, including Macaulay and its neighbor to the north, Alberta Avenue. The story of the deterioration of these communities is sad. Up until the 1970s, these were bustling shopping districts in Edmonton. 118th Avenue was the city's main east-west corridor, and that meant a lot of foot and vehicle traffic to sustain the myriad businesses in the area. Macaulay has always had strong roots tied to newcomer families, and work was once plentiful at the Norwood Foundry, Great West Garment Company, which employed 1,600 people at its peak, and in nearby Packingtown, off Fort Road, where hundreds of residents worked in a cluster of meatpacking plants that included Canada Packers, Swift Canadian, and Burns Meats. The area was a prosperous district in town, but that started changing in 1973 when Alberta's oil sector entered its bust cycle. Homeowners began leaving the area, and this continued into the 1980s. In 1984, construction of the Yellowhead Trail was completed. The new freeway diverted traffic off of 118th Avenue, and businesses in the area suffered greatly, many of them closing. The Norwood Foundry shuttered in 1978, followed by Packingtown, which finally closed in 1984. The Great West Garment Company steadily downsized its operations over the decades until closing completely in 2004. The 1990s saw real estate values plummet, and properties were snapped up at rock-bottom prices by non-local and sometimes predatory landlords and even gangs. In 1992, the provincial government cut social services, including addictions and mental health supports. This exacerbated the growing social issues in the neighborhoods. But through all of this, Macaulay's core residents maintained a sense of pride and ownership of their neighborhood. Community pillars like the Spinelli family set up shop and opened the Italian Center in 1959, and neighbors helped neighbors. The adversity they faced created incredibly strong ties among the residents as they worked to reclaim their neighborhood. They have made great strides over the years, turning Macaulay into one of Edmonton's neighborhood gems. From destination shopping, like the Italian Center in Zocalo's, to delicious food at the many family-run restaurants and its growing summer festival season, with Heart of the City and East Meets West. The momentum of the neighborhood helped the cohort to drive forward on the Piazza Project. 
Karen Gingra recalls feeling frustrated that the Piazza's owners were not interested in selling the strip mall. So the team brought on a commercial realtor to begin developing a closer relationship with the owners. We kept touching base with the commercial realtor. He actually went down to Calgary, where the owners reside, talked to them a couple times, building a relationship. And it was still, no, we're not really interested in selling. No, we're not really interested in selling. The fact that the owners didn't want to sell was a setback. But the community was set on the project and worked with Edmonton CDC to continue moving forward. One major piece of the puzzle was figuring out what kind of legal entity would give the project the best shot possible to raise money for the purchase while ensuring that the community remained in control of the project. Here's Mark Holmgren from the Edmonton CDC again. And community folks said, well, we still, we want to own that thing. We, we want to gain control of that strip mall. And if you think about it, the strip mall is right in the heart of Macaulay, right across the street from Kaboto Park. Uh, and so... Uh, the short story is we looked into forming a cooperative. It's called a Opportunities Development Cooperative. It's a legal entity uh, that whereby residents could raise uh, money uh, at a lower rate of, of a return than you would get on a mortgage uh, to put down on the property and then actually buy it. So um, that's what we did. Forming the co-op and putting an offer together to purchase the property required the group to form an official board of directors and source startup capital. And so we started pulling in together um, people who were really quite serious and who were prepared to put some of their own money forward because there's startup costs to this. Before you even can even think about buying, you know, uh, a strip mall or any other asset, um, you need money. You need to cover legal costs. You need to cover um, consulting costs because none of us knew anything about an investment co-op. So we needed consultants to help us with that. So, um, yeah, we needed people to really step up and put their money forward, and um, and the ECDC also put money forward and resources, my time, to try and make this come to fruition. To start it, um, we did a budget. So um, essentially, we reached uh, agreement on a budget of about $43,000 for startup. People needed to, at the table, needed to say, okay, well, I can put in $1,000, I can put in five. So that money was essentially sunk cost. People had to be prepared to lose it because no matter what happened, that money was going to be used. And so, um, so that was part of the founding board's commitment. Startup costs were just one part of the budget. The co-op crunched the numbers and realized that they would need to raise $1 million in investments. This was essentially the projected down payment for the property, totaling about one-third of the estimated cost of the building. To secure a mortgage for the remaining two-thirds of the property, the co-op approached the Social Enterprise Fund for help. The Social Enterprise Fund is an initiative of the Edmonton Community Foundation that allows the foundation to invest directly into the local community. With the guarantee of a mortgage on the table, the race was on to find investors for the down payment. And a race it was. Their timeline to raise $1 million was tight. So we needed to know we had a million dollars um, raised in investment by the actual date that's in our offer to purchase. So um, that was actually, it ended up being a month. So officially together, it was, all right, are we willing to pull the pin on this? Because if we are, then it's all going to be timed. So um, it took us essentially September to October to really get everything prepared. And that was a real time crunch when you think about and so um, we then were able to issue the offering memorandum at the beginning of November, and it closed December 13th. So it was, 
you know, a time crunch because the actual sale purchase closed, had to close before that. So you can imagine how hard everybody worked to get that done. It was all hands on deck for everyone involved as they began reaching out, pitching their case for investment. The co-op set the investment threshold at a minimum of $5,000 and began approaching Macaulay residents and everyone else they thought might be interested in making the purchase happen. News of the project had spread throughout the community by this time, and dozens of people came out of the woodwork offering to dip into their personal savings, transfer RSPs, and their TFSAs. As Miranda recalls, It was manic. It was crazy. It was 21 days roughly uh, you know we ha we had a joint uh, google spreadsheet that we watched and uh, every time someone got a new investor it went in the one column of committed dollars or possible dollars and for me i watched that sheet i don't know probably three or four times a day where i was going back to check right but it also kept me propelled to book another lunch and book another dinner or uh, meet with these people or meet with those people so it was a lot of hours it was a lot of sleepless nights. It was worrying. Uh, you know, I think when I first heard, and I think this is what we've got, we've heard from a lot of other people too, is you raised how much money in in three weeks? I would say it was it was stressful, um, but also kind of uh, it put fire in your belly for sure. It was uh, exciting. It was scary. You know, like if we didn't come up with all the money, you know, the whole thing was going to be off. A few days before deadline, Mark Holmgren recalls looking at the tally sheet and realizing they were still short. The deadline was coming uh, early uh, the following week, and it was Thursday or Friday, and we still hadn't reached our goal. And so Karen and I and others were scrambling about, well, what do we do if we're 100 grand short, or how, you know, how do we make this thing happen? And what, what we hadn't realized is that one person who was in charge of seeking investors hadn't reported yet. And then others kind of trickled in and not only uh, came in to hit 1.1, I think on the Friday we were about 100 grand short, but they blew the goal away, you know, going past 1 million to 1.1. It was a moment for elation for Karen Jingra. I'm surprised that um, there wasn't a loud sound coming out of Macaulay that the rest of Edmonton went, what was that? Because it was elation and tremendous excitement and tremendous relief that it actually had come to fruition. You know, it's, um, it's pretty incredible. In the end, the co-op had brought 91 donors into the fold. The community had lived up to its tenacious reputation and the owners of the piazza agreed to sell the property to the co-op. Mark Holmgren credits the success of the campaign to the passion and drive of the Macaulay residents who risked it all for a shot at bettering their community. I have to tell you the kind of passion and energy that uh, Macaulay residents have for their neighborhood is unbelievable. Like, you don't see that in every neighborhood. People who love living in Macaulay, and I'm sitting around the table with folks and they're talking about the neighborhood, I mean, their eyes light up. They're very excited to be there. One of the keys to success for what they did wasn't the technical stuff. It was the energy and passion and trust that people had in one another because eventually 91 people invested money to raise $1.1 million in 20 days. Purchasing the strip mall is just the first step. Now the co-op is in the process of developing the long-term plan for the site. For now, they are thrilled to have achieved what had seemed impossible only 18 months ago, and the prospect of having the community being able to decide how this prime piece of real estate is used in their neighborhood is huge.
We're in the driver's seat now. Like for, for the first time, if we don't like something that's happening in or around that building, we have a property manager that we that we go to and we say, we need you to deal with this. Um, and you know, we took our time finding um, a good fit there, and uh, and so we have a great dialogue with with the company that's managing the building, and they're very on on board with our um, with our intentions um, for the space. So um, so it wasn't like there was a moment, but it's sort of with each new decision that gets made and every little incremental step we take in the right direction, you sort of start to feel like, okay, this is well, it's moving in the right direction. For now, the team is happy to have made the giant first step. They they did it all. I walked into Zocalo to meet with Miranda Ringwall, who's the chair of Macaulay Development Cooperative. And when I walked in across the street is the piazza, and people were shoveling the walk right down to the sidewalk. And I said to Miranda when I saw her, wow, there must be a wonderful landlord across the street who's, you know, paying such good attention to the walkways and making them clear for people. And Miranda just uh, really beamed when I—we were both beaming when I said that. So we chatted a little bit about the journey. And I have to tell you, there's these two grown-ups with, their, with some welling in their eyes because we were so moved by everything that happened that, that uh, the emotions just are, are you know, kind of started to come out. Thanks very much to Jonathan Christensen and Miranda Ringma, Mark Holmgren, and Karen Jingra for sharing their story. If you want to find out more about the Macaulay Development Cooperative, check out our show notes for the links. Right. We'll also have links about the Edmonton Community Development Corporation and the Social Enterprise Fund. Hey, listeners, before we go, we want to give one last reminder to apply for our upcoming student awards. First, we've got the Belcourt Brasso Métis Awards. These awards range from two dollars to $10,000 and are for Métis students who are residents of Alberta. And for those of you who are musically inclined, they are the Winspear Scholarships for Advanced Classical Music and the Reynold and Vera Shane Memorial Scholarship. Both of these awards focus on students who will study classical music. The deadline to apply for all three of these awards is March 31st. Check out our show notes for the links to more information. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. And if you like this episode, be sure to share it with your friends. And your friends' friends. If you have time, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find us. And you can follow us on Facebook, where you can see pictures and tell us what you think. Thanks for hanging out with us. We've been your hosts, Elizabeth Bonking. And Andrew Paul. Until Until next next time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation. And is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.